0: No, no 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 fucking way you made me look a right cunt
1: This is ArsCast Extra Hello there welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunner Blog I think
0: badly morning to you badly morning badly morning indeed mm. do we still have to do it do we still have to do a podcast i'm so sad andrew <laughs>
1: <laughs> i i think people would forgive us perhaps if we decided you know today fuck it let's not do it but yeah. at the same time a problem shared is a problem that we get to talk about over and over again. Okay, something. good. A problem shared is is a problem. Um, yeah. And we've got we've got problems. We certainly do. Maybe this will be cathartic for us and the listeners, or maybe by the end of it we're gonna be going, Oh, fucking fuck. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna go. How do you feel this morning? What's it like when you if I was to ask you what is the one word or one emotion that you would use to describe how you're feeling this morning in the cold light of day what would that
0: be oh one word i would say i feel deflated okay that's a good one Deflated, i think because uh, i feel like yeah no i'll leave it one word well what about you I'm
1: trying to, do, yeah, trying to combine maybe two words together to make one word. So I think mm. deflated or disenchanted or or dismayed is good. But I'm also quite angry. So whether I'm furious and deflated, I could be forflated.
0: Yeah, uh, forflated. I think is where I am with this. Forflated. Mm. I think everyone's feeling a bit forflated. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've also got tonsillitis, so that's not helping. Oh
1: uh, no! What? The, what?
0: Why? 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 Yeah, why? Why have you got that? I don't know. just been jabbing my tonsils with a stick, with a big infected stick. I don't have any tonsils. Uh, Do you not? No. Oh, that's the trick. That's what I need to do, get rid of them.
1: Yeah, they were taken out much younger when I was was a child, and uh, I woke up during the operation. No. Yeah, it's one of the things that I remember most vividly from my childhood. Now, it could have been an anaesthetic-induced dream or hallucination, but I distinctly remember... Waking up in the operation and seeing the surgeon or the guy throwing my now useless tonsils into a kind of a yellow bucket, which was beside the uh, beside the bed on which or the, the operating table. And then I went, I'm back again. But I How remember traumatic. it to this day, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, um, well, I have tonsils. So before anyone jumps on Twitter and says, oh, James, can you hurt yourself? Can you suffer some misfortune so good things happen to Arsenal? I tried, guys. <laughs> I got my tonsils all infected for you. And yet, and yet, they and still yeah, let us all down. It could be, James,
1: that the fortunes of our football team are not really in any significant
0: way tied in with you being in, in searing pain. I mean, that seems unlikely, but we may have to give that theory some credence. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're, you're angry. You don't sound angry. You're not angry with me. That's a relief.
1: No. Uh, look, we're friends here and, you know, we can, we can talk this out between ourselves. Um, no, I'm not angry with you for, for, uh, for not hurting yourself worse to make us win yesterday. Not at all. I'm not. Who are you angry with? I think I'm angry with Arsene Wenger. Huh. Look, I I like and respect Arsene Wenger a great deal. I think he's a, uh, a brilliant man. I think some of the, the abuse uh, and, and vitriol leveled at him is irrational and very unpleasant at times. I think people are able to make their points or should be able to make their points about their their disenchantment with him in a much better way, right? Mm-hmm. But yesterday, having seen that team do what they did against that Manchester United team, you can't come to any other conclusion than this is on the manager. This is the team that he built. These are the players that he put together. That's the team selection that he made. The, the performance or lack of it in a game in which we should have been hammering home our title credentials was absolutely abject. And that ultimately comes back to the manager. Right. You can say the players didn't do it and the players didn't do it. And too many of them didn't perform yesterday. There were individual mistakes. There were players who were nigh on anonymous, uh, who just didn't show up, who hid during the game. Um, And you can put some blame on them. Absolutely, you can. But Mm. this is not, for example, a, a situation like at Liverpool, where... Jurgen Klopp has come in, and people are going, well, Klopp's not really a very good manager, is he? You know, look at what's happening at Liverpool. But, you know, he's inherited a bag of shite from Brendan Rodgers, and it'll be a while before he can put his own stamp on that team. And if Liverpool are that shit in two years' time, then you go, okay, there's a problem there with Jurgen Klopp, but with Arsene Wenger, these are entirely his players, players that he's put his faith in, and players who didn't repay that faith in any way, um, and who let themselves, who let the manager and let, and let the club down. But the book stop. Where does the book stop? And I think it's with Arsene Wenger, and you know, I'm I'm angry with him that he wasn't able to get more out of his team yesterday in that game.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I think, you know, especially when those lineups come in, there's no doubt really about who's got the strongest side on paper, is there? No. I mean, look at the United side. Look at who's absent for United. Such a list of injured players and some names in that United side that I think are unfamiliar to, to even the most ardent football fan. And I think that's what you say is right about the manager because we we're really out of excuses at the moment. I mean, yeah. in terms of the injury situation... You know, Santi Cazorla is probably the only major absentee. You almost can't include Jack Wilshere in that. Mm. Um, we've had plenty of money to spend. He's had f- kind of free reign in the transfer market. Uh, this is the team that, that he's assembled. So if it's falling short, mm. then that 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 is entirely really down to him. And and even if it's the players who are responsible for failing to perform, it, it's his ultimate responsibility to motivate them. Um and they didn't look very motivated yesterday.
1: No, they didn't. I mean, that was really worrying. The fact that they were so lethargic. lethargic that, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it in the blog today, but and uh, you know, this isn't to to suggest that Aaron Ramsey was in any way better than anyone else. But he had the ball, and he was looking for movement, he was looking for players to 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 make a pass to, him, and and there was just none. Players were standing watching, and it was it was really really bad. And you know, actually, when El Nenny came on it was quite curious to watch him make a pass and drop off or move into another uh, area of the pitch to try and get the ball back. Mm. And it was so obvious because nobody had been doing that for the, for the whole game. It was so bad. You know, you think about uh, Varela, who's the, the right back on a, on a yellow card after nine minutes for a rugby tackle mm. on mm. Alexis Sanchez because he was so terrified of Alexis getting away from him. He fucking rugby tackled him. And what did we do? Nothing. Alexis didn't try to go outside him once. You know, it's just maddening. They had Rojo at uh, left back, who's just back from an injury, and two central midfielders at centre half. Yeah. And we pick a dynamic, pacey uh, front three with well back Alexis and Walcott. And w- what problems did we cause them? None. None whatsoever. None of those players really took any responsibility. Actually, th- that's not really fair for me to say. Alexis tries. We know he tries. And he's, uh, he's just so badly out of form. Mm. Badly out of form. Welbeck, I don't think we can really criticise him too much after being out for 10 months with injuries. Come back, he scored two goals in two Premier League games. yeah, And two very, very good, very tidy-headed goals to give us that bit of a, an added threat. But Walcott... Like where the fuck was he? What was it what <laughs> seriously where was he? The first time I noticed him um was was when he lost the ball
0: which led to their new, goal. His new book is going to be called TJ and the the never ending game of hide and seek. I think he uh I think he had 18 touches in the game yesterday. I was surprised it was that many to be honest when I saw the statistic. Actually there was a football 365 statistic.
1: Hang on I'll get this out here. Uh, Football three six five. One second. Boom, boom boom Uh Somebody sent it to me here. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay.
0: The thing about Walcott, uh, I mean, again, it comes back to the manager because that's a a big selection gamble that he made was to to bring Theo in mm. as a striker. You know, I mean, I could um, see
1: why he did it. You know, because Giroud mm. hasn't been scoring, you got to do something. I was mm-hmm. even sort of vaguely advocating it myself, despite the fact I'm, you know, I'm, I remain wholly unconvinced about Walcott as a centre forward and as a footballer in general but Theo sceptic yeah. yeah Theo sceptic and uh, you know he, he I could see why he did it but when you you know when you pick a guy for a big game at Old Trafford and he basically hides as he has done too many times in his Arsenal career it's fucking infuriating here's the stats Walcott had no shots no chances created, and six passes completed in 63 minutes. He touched the ball 17 times and managed to lose possession on 10 occasions. (laughs) I mean, what the fuck?
0: It doesn't read well, does it? No. Um, but he was pretty diabolical, I thought. Yeah. uh, Pretty bad.
1: Okay, but do we not know this already about Theo Walcott? Do we not know that he is a hugely limited footballer? So what do we do? Do we blame you know, do we blame him for being what he is? Or do we blame somebody for insisting on picking him? Because you know what? I go back to the end of last season when Giroud had this goal-scoring drought because he was the only forward that we had left. Mm. And he was tired and, you know, he, he he played himself out of form as as happens to him. And Walcott came in at centre-forward against West Brom, was it, in one of the final games of the season? Was he scored indeed, a hat-trick. Yeah. Scored a hat-trick.
0: A, a very disinterested generally Les yeah, Lescott.
1: Yeah, they didn't give a fuck on that day. And he came in and scored good goals in fairness to him. And all of a sudden Arsene Wenger went, hey, Theo Walcott as a centre-forward. I've tried it twice before and it's gone, it's gone okay. There was one game against Tottenham in the FA Cup where he played really well then, you know, did his cruise ship, which is just about peak Theo. Mm. Um, and he said, okay, cup final. And Walcott on the day of the cup final, yes, had a good game against... Let's face it, one of the worst teams that anybody has ever seen anywhere when you look at what's happening to that Villa side now. You know, I'm yeah. taking nothing away from our FA Cup win because it was fantastic and I enjoyed the shit out of it. It was brilliant to win an FA Cup final that way. But let's not pretend that that was some indication that Theo Walcott is the answer to all our prayers at center forward. He stuck no, with that's... it a bit, he stuck with it a bit this season and he had what? Two good games, one at Leicester and one at one against Manchester United.
0: Of all people, yeah.
1: And that's it. That's his soul. That's the sum total of his
0: contribution as a centre forward. Hey, yeah. I mean, in some respects, you do wonder if that hat-trick against West Brom was the... (laughs) <laughs> not a great thing to happen because it enabled us when the summer came around to sign Walcott up to a new deal and, and pursue this idea of him as the alternative to Giroud instead of bringing in somebody else who might have been significantly more effective. Mm. Um, and we've invested a lot of money in Walcott now in terms of that wage. And that's not a salary that anyone will take off our hands too easily. No. or Too lightly. Mm. Uh, so you feel that he's you know, the investment's significant enough that he's going to be around for the, for the long haul. Oh,
1: if this was a video podcast now, you could see me holding my head in my hands
0: <laughs> when you said that. But it's true, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we put a lot of money down on, on Theo now. Yeah, well, um, you know,
1: people have made the point that he only ever plays really well when he's looking for a new contract.
0: Yes, the Flamini effect. Yeah. Um which has yet to come into force this season for Mm. Flamini. But uh, yeah, I I was really exasperated with Walcott yesterday. And the thing is, I know that Giroud is out of form. I know he's struggling for goals, but so is Walcott desperately. Mm. Um, You know, we've talked about it on here before. He's got something like two in about 22 or something like that.
1: When is Uh, the last time time Walcott had something that you could actually consider form?
0: Yeah, I mean, a long time ago a long time ago. I feel like there was a brief period back in the back in the autumn maybe where he looked like he'd sprung into life but it was a handful of games, mm. a handful of games. And maybe that doesn't even qualify us for Yeah. Uh, and then prior to that, it was the summer and prior to that he was injured, you know. So it's I don't know that the last time I think of him playing really well was when we gave him his previous contract. Yeah. You know, not not the last one, the one before. Um when he was playing extremely well, scored 21 goals that season, didn't he? And uh but then got injured. Yeah, because that's that's what happened. That's that's what he does. But look, yeah. Uh, okay. But I mean, uh, he he was a selection decision that didn't pay off. Gabriel would also qualify as one of those. Yeah,
1: that was bad. He was bad. He was really bad. Um, I think he was in some ways lucky not to give away a penalty. Mm-hmm. Could have was very close to being a penalty. Um, he got turned inside out by by Rashford, who just ran at him. It wasn't anything complicated. Then there was the first goal. I'm not like uh, hugely, it was a, a bit of a miscue, but he was moving at speed and the ball came across and, you know, that that. happen.
0: I had happen. more issues with the way that goal came about in terms of Walcott losing the ball, driven yeah. up defence. Montreal was quite isolated uh, when the cross came in and positionally wasn't brilliant either. So that, that was less on Gabriel for me, but I agree he was poor and particularly on that on that second goal.
1: Well, the second goal was ridiculous because the ball, you know, the, the centre-halves uh, are, are in the right positions, more or less. Um, Gabriel is looking at Rashford. He's looking straight at him. It's not like the guy's ghosted in behind him. He's got him in front of him. He's goal-side yeah. of him for a few seconds and then simply lets him go. He heads in and Gabriel turns around to Koscielny and he's like, what the fuck are you doing?
0: You're like, Hang yeah, Gabriel on a behaves minute. as if he expects Koscielny to take Rashford, but he can see both Koscielny and Rashford, and can see that's not happening. Yeah, I mean it smacks of a player who knows they fucked up. Essentially, the way he reacted to me.
1: Well, well, you know if yeah, I don't know. Maybe it smacks of a player who's too fucking thick to know that he's the one that fucked up.
0: <sighs> Maybe I mean that's a worry. I mean, what's going on with centre back? Because it did seem prior to Gabriel's injury like Arson was you know, picking him fairly regularly. Mm. And then as soon as he's come back to fitness, I mean, he didn't throw him in for the Barca game, but he's back in at Old Trafford. What's happening there, do you think? What's the manager thinking?
1: I don't know. I think what he's got this season uh, are three centre-halves who are not playing anywhere near as well as they could be. You know, Mertesacker, two mistakes, one and a half mistakes anyway against Barcelona. Mm. Um, And I think that's why he picked Gabriel yesterday.
0: He was very angry after the Barcelona game, wasn't he? I yeah, think he was. He was, very...
1: he was. It, particularly when he spoke about that Monaco goal. This is just like what happened against Monaco, and it was quite similar, I think, when Mertesacker got called a little bit high up the pitch. and, yeah. uh, and they got So I think that was really in his mind, and that's why he picked Gabriel. But I don't think Koscielny has been playing particularly well recently. Uh, mm. I think you could look at him for the third goal and say, hey, if you're going to try and block a shot, if you go at it front on there's more chance of you making a block. If you go at it side on, there's less of you for uh, to make that block. And then, look, it sort of skids off your tits and into the goal pass check. Huh. You know, I don't think his defending was was very good at all there. I know there were issues with the midfield allowing Herrera to, to make that run. Um, but I think what's happening is that the... The the centre halves, all three of them, are becoming a little bit error prone, or have been a bit error prone this season, and the manager doesn't know what his best combination is. If it were me, I would stick with um, I would stick with with Koscielny and Mertesacker, simply because they've been there, they've done that, they've worn the T shirt, they've had the experience, and I think they're the best partnership that we have at centre half until the summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's something that you couldn't address in the summer in the transfer market. I don't think... You know, I, I think there are better centre-halves out there, probably, than, than what we've got. But for what we've got at the moment, you know, Murtak was missed yesterday, um, despite mm. his mistakes against Barcelona. That, that calm and that assurance. Mm. I, I would have liked to have seen that in the side. Um, so, yeah, those were the first two goals. I mean, the thing is, 3-2, ultimately. I mean, is that a scoreline? It feels like that flatters us, really.
1: A little bit because you could you couldn't really see you could see how United were going to score goals you couldn't really see how how we were right. other than set pieces or a corner or, or something like that because we created very little there was that great Monreal chance early mm-hmm. on in the game a beautiful ball from from Mesut Ozil. Uh Monreal maybe should have done better with that uh, although it was a good it was a good save from De Gea uh, but look set piece. For Danny Welbeck, and at th- you know, 2 1 at halftime. Okay, look, it's shit to go 2 0 down, but we get a goal back not long before halftime. And that you seemed think,
0: like a massive goal, yeah, at the time. yeah.
1: You, you felt like if we were going to get anything from the game, we had to score before halftime, and we did. Um, but you know, there was no change really in the way that we played in the second half, there was no dynamism, there was no uh, no real ambition to the football that we played. Uh, the no. same issues were prevalent, weren't they? The lack of movement, the lack of uh, the lack of ability to to get through the United lines, particularly in the final third. It was just. I think Graham soon call, has called it insipid. The football was insipid, and I think that sums it up perfectly.
0: I think uh, it was really interesting because I was obviously following the game on social media as well. And at halftime, start of the second half, there were all these rallying cries from fans. Pundits, ex-players, what a massive forty-five minutes this is in Arsenal's season. You know, this is about them going and proving that they can be contenders. You know, have they got the fight? Have they got the stomach to mm. come back at, at Old Trafford? And the answer was no, and it was it was so emphatically no that it was just. I mean, it was gutting, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. We just unable to get on top of a United side that was. Uh, I know Arsene Wenger made some kind of point about, well, hey, that, that side costs a lot of money. So fucking what if it costs a lot of money? It doesn't make any difference whatsoever when you look at their side on paper and you look at our side on paper. I know that's not how football is played, but those players should have been capable of more and the manager should have been capable of getting more from those players. in In circumstances like that, when the title, I won't say it's on the line, but certainly this is going to have a huge impact on our ability to do it. It'll have a huge impact, I think, on our our, our confidence levels, our, our which must be like minimal at the moment, anyway. You know, just
0: so fucking it was just so bad. So listen, I I I'm going to play Arsenal's advocate just for a moment. Okay, <laughs> I don't think anyone else is. It was an insipid performance. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that we had the very draining game against Barcelona earlier in the week? No. Is that why we were covering less ground and no. less less no. ready? We had it?
1: five days. These are professional footballers. We had five days. He made changes to his team. He brought in Walcott, you know, who who mm. who should have run his hole off, but didn't. He brought in Welbeck, who did run his hole off and and scored us a goal, uh, but looked like a man who's been out for for 10 months at times, which, of course, he has. He brought in Gabriel at the back, who made mistakes. You know, I don't think the Barcelona game had anything to do with it, and United played on Thursday. United played on Thursday.
0: That's the great, you know, cancel out, that they played on Thursday, and I think that's it. I mean, I I don't consider that valid, but I just hadn't heard that point made too much. Yeah,
1: and I don't think it was even about running around or or you know it was about being unable to perform not so much running here and there because any cunt can fucking run anywhere you know if that's all it comes down to you just get super fit guys to run anywhere um but it was just the 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 timidness of the football that we play the lack of ambition the lack of confidence the lack of anything that you might call incisive i mean when Mesut Ozil scored in the 69th minute, there were 26 minutes left in that game. 26 minutes. That's a huge amount of time for a team to really pile on some pressure and to have a go to, to rescue the season. I mean, we, we, can't, we can't assume that the players weren't aware of how big a game this was and what the implications, what the ramifications would have been if they didn't win this game. Mm. And even then, they couldn't rise themselves. Even then, they couldn't perform. So what does it come down? I mean, what do you think it is? It's I don't not know, like, it. I, don't, I don't, you know, I don't buy into the idea that they don't want to win it or that they don't have the ambition to win it. Of course they do. They want to go out and they want to win every game, but why couldn't they perform yesterday, especially in those circumstances? You know, w- with, with 26 minutes left of the game, fucking pile on the pressure. Really make United work. And we didn't. We had one effort on target and it was the tamest header you'll ever see. In 26 minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it is, you're absolutely right, it's a lack of quality as much as it's a... or more so than it's a lack of effort, you know. Mm. And these are players with real ability who aren't producing. And I wonder, I mean, I this is off the top of my head, but I, I kind of feel like we have a manager who's one of his exceptional skills is when a team is clicking and when his team is firing, he's very good at maintaining that. You know, he's a guy who took a team through a season unbeaten because Mm. with momentum, he's outstanding. He can go on these prolonged runs, um, but it requires a team that's, perfectly honed and sometimes that process happens by accident you know you look at the start of 2015 we had a brilliant calendar year and so much of that was contingent on the partnership of Cochrane and Kazola, which was never planned mm. never planned and just came together sort of an alchemy that you couldn't have set out as a strategy but we found a team it had Aaron Ramsey on the right wing which ostensibly made no sense and yet seemed to work it just clicked perfectly into place almost by chance and when it did Arsene did a superb job of maintaining that momentum, of keeping that up. Mm. But when that came apart in the winter, in November, and that team began to disintegrate due to injuries and other problems and lack of form, primarily injuries, admittedly, he hasn't since been able to recompose it. He hasn't since been able to find a formula that will work. And the team... Don't have that same flow that same those automatisms that Matsaka talked about aren 't there mm. and it's difficult to understand why that is, but I feel like we have a coach who's 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 brilliant once he 's got that in place and can fill his teams with confidence and fill them with belief that they can do it, but he requires that infrastructure there in the side, and at the moment it 's not there and it 's a mess
1: yeah that 's a good point um,
0: but it's 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 uh, what I was really interested by yesterday, because losing at Old Trafford, you know, as, as poor as United are, that's something that can happen. Losing at any away game in the Premier League can't happen. But at full time, there was a real, real outpouring of anger from almost every Arsenal fan that I could see or that I could speak to. Mm. And why do you think it's been such a big, big reaction to this one game? Because I think that when you look at this season...
1: You look at the chance that we have to win the title. Mm-hmm. Um, with Tottenham and Leicester as the two main rivals, and I don't think we should forget Man City either because they're there. Yeah. You look at this team, you look at the players that are in it, you think this is a, this is a wonderful chance for you to go on and, and win the title. Uh, and I watched your uh, At The Whistle video Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right to say this is an amazing chance. And what it has done, I think, is confirmed this fear that many people have, that when push comes to shove, that when the pressure is really on, we just can't. We just can't perform. And we just can't step up. And even with those world-class players in the side like Ozil, like Alexis Sanchez, you know, who's really struggling at, at the moment as well, we still can't do it against the worst United side that we've played in X amount of years. I mean, this was a brilliant mm. opportunity to go to Old Trafford. And the problem, I think, is that it's not so much that we were beaten, is that we beat ourselves, in a way, with the mistakes that we made. And that makes you... All you can do, the only assumption you can make when that happens is that we just simply can't cope with the pressure, that we choke, and that those are the reasons why we lose games like this. And those are the reasons why we won't win the title. So I think mm-hmm. that's what it was. And I think as well, a familiarity. That this has happened before, and it's happened before, and it's happened before. And here we are again. Even with like everything, you couldn't ask for it to be a better situation for Arsenal this season. You just really couldn't. If someone no. had offered you this at this this time last year or at the start of the season, you go, yes, I'll take that with two hands, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and you know, what we've done is, I don't know, we've fucking bottled it again. Now, there are 11 games to go, and there's a lot of points to play for, but really, the way that we're playing, can you see us taking as many points as we need and, and the other sides dropping those points?
0: Well... I mean, no is the short answer. I mean, mm. you know, and the fixture list is—it's not easy. You know, we've got games. I mean, next weekend, of course, North London derby, isn't mm. it? I mean, it almost doesn't bear thinking about. It. Jesus. Um, also got to go to the Etihad. Um, I think we have to go to West Ham. You know, there are there are tricky games uh, on the agenda. Still, I. You know, the, the running was always going to be quite hard. This period was always going to be tricky. Mm. And the problem is that we didn't build up any sort of cushion at all. And I think when you look at the other sides who are in the race, with, you know, for weeks now, it's felt like we've said, well, we're in touching distance, we're in touching distance, but we should be we should be out in front, really. Yes, yes, you're we fucking should, right. We should be clear. We should be over here. We should be, at, you know, we should be out of sight. We should be looking back because look at the squad of Leicester uh Tottenham are getting a lot of praise but their squad I don't think it compares to ours in terms of experience and in terms of depth you know they've got one striker pretty much and that's it um although some might have made the case that Olivier Giroud we probably only have one striker um <laughs> But uh, there's no, we have no excuse, you know. Manchester City having a tricky time, lost their ma- you know their managers on the way out. They've lost more games than they should. Manchester United have been an absolute mess, although we made them look not like it yesterday. They've got ten players out injured at the moment, including their captain, mm. their other main record signing. Chelsea are in eleventh, Liverpool are in ninth. The league is perfectly set up for us to dominate, and yet we are incapable of it. Yeah, and. When was the last time we, you know, we didn't look like champions yesterday. When was the last time we did? Like, even when we snatched that 2-1 win against Leicester, it was a euphoric moment and a great result, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't necessarily a a performance that made you think, oh, yeah, you know, this is is the team.
1: It was a 95th-minute goal against 10-man Leicester. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to take anything away from what Leicester have done or are doing, but it's Leicester. We're sitting here going. Oh, we're in touching distance of Leicester.
0: Now, exactly, and 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 God, and you know, dare I say, Tottenham? Yeah, you know, we're now we're now three points behind Tottenham. We're going. Oh well, you know, hopefully we can still catch them. Yeah, this is a side who, you know, they are. Look, it pains me to say it. They're having a very good season. They have got a good team. They've got a very good manager. It seems who who has a clear plan that he's he's enacting very well, but. Arsenal, with the resources they have, with the experience they have, sh- there's there's no excuse. No. There's no excuse at all. No. Uh, um, and it will be very, very difficult at the end of the season if we don't win the league, which I'll be honest, I, you know, in this season of all seasons, you can't write anything off, but I can't see us doing it. No. no. I, I, it, it feels improbable, certainly. And if we don't do it, how on earth will we justify that? How on earth can Arsen Wenger justify it? I suppose it is the real question.
1: Mm. I don't think he can. I don't think he can. You know, and you look at, actually, I don't know if anyone has seen it yet, but uh, the brilliant uh, Swiss Ramble has done another piece on, on Arsenal's finances in the wake of the, the financial results. Um, some... Some interesting, uh, some interesting uh, things here. Blah blah blah. He was talking about the next uh, set of accounts. Depending on when transfer fee stage payments come true, Arsenal's cash reserves could be around the two hundred and twenty-five to two hundred and fifty million pound level. Arsenal have more cash than any other club in world football.
0: I mean. That's exasperating to hear, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it really is. Um, What what was the other one? Okay, at the end of the 2013-14 season, Arsenal held 40% of the entire Premier League cash balances.
0: I mean, what that makes me feel is that a club with that kind of financial muscle can afford no less than to be the best. Well, really? You
1: d- yeah, you don't have any, you do, you just don't have any excuses. That, you know, uh, if your squad is not as good as it should be, or if you're not winning the title, people will say, okay, you've got £250 million in the bank, why don't you have Do the something squad? about it. Yeah.
0: Do something about it. And, and that's why I think people find it so galling when Arsene Wenger is saying after the game, well, Manchester United spent a lot of money. Mm. He could have spent as much money as he wanted in the summer. He chose not to, and you know I don't think that was a, a, a crazy decision. But uh but it's I- isn't
1: difficult. it in hindsight, isn't it?
0: Uh, probably, yeah. Probably uh, there was a kind of uh, skewed logic to it at the time. But when you when you look at you know we talked about the centre forward situation, talked about the centre back situation, we talked about the injury situation in midfield, the problems that caused. I mean, why not? is the best question isn't it mm. why not? why not yeah. spend money that you have available to yeah. you what's yeah. the what's the damage and um yeah i I think and uh, you know his comments after the game really wound people up, and also it's that thing of talking about mental strength and mm. great spirit and all those things but i mean we've 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 heard that for a long time that's sure nothing, that's nothing new, and nor is our poor form really I think as well if you if you go back. Um, to sort of Christmas time, that, that Boxing Day, that 4-0 defeat to Southampton. There have been brief flashes since then, but we've never really looked like a great side at all. I don't think we've
1: time. looked, you know, I don't think this season at all, we, we haven't really shown any significant form, you know?
0: No, if if you think about other Arsenal sides that won the league, um, there's there's no comparison, really, in terms of the performance level, I would say.
1: Okay. Here here is I'm going to just rattle through this before we take a break and go into part 2, right? Okay. So here's here's our form this season. Uh, starting with the first Premier League game of the season, bearing in mind of course that we won the community shield against Chelsea. So, mm-hmm. here's our form in all competitions. Loss, win, draw, win, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss. Four wins then. Loss, win, loss, draw, loss, win, draw. Four wins, loss, three wins, draw, draw, loss, win, draw, win, win, draw, loss, loss. I mean, there's no period in that season. There's been no period where we have been consistently difficult to beat uh, and and winning more games than uh, than we have done. You know?
0: Yeah, we, we. You know, this is the the season of mid table. You know, this is everyone's a mid-table team this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we are part of that mediocrity. Let's call that part one because my doorbell's just gone.
1: Okay, I will go and um, spend a penny. We'll come back okay, with, uh, with questions and more in part two. See you shortly. Okay, welcome back to the ArsCast Extra on a particularly gloomy Monday. But if you do need brightening up, please check out our sponsor, cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. You can shave uh, better and more cost-effectively uh, by signing up to their service, and every bit helps the podcast. So thank you very much. It's cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. James, I noticed the other day in one of your post-match videos mm. that you had, a, you had a bit of fluff stuck to your
0: your sort of beards. So I was told, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a risk. I mean, that's a risk. Cornerstone could have spared me that embarrassment.
1: Yes. Now you're immortalised as the man who
0: had a bit of fluff on his chin. I know, I know. No one's looked so stupid with a beard since Theo Walcott. <laughs> um, but there you go. All right, we're going to do
1: questions, right? Uh, I'm going to start, and this is mm-hmm. a question from me to you. Oh, oh, right, OK. We'll get to the listeners, don't worry. But really, if we don't win the league this season... What do you think should happen in terms happen. of the manager?
0: Should happen. Mm. Uh, um, this is. A, can I have a little caveat to that question? It, does that mean we don't win anything? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We don't win anything. Okay. The Champions League dream dies. Sorry
1: to kill that before you, are yeah, Stone Dead. There. Shame,
0: yeah. I was so, so looking forward to the new camp. Um, oh, uh, do you know what? I'm going to answer in a very roundabout way. I did my little post-match video where I talk about the game, and then afterwards a lot of people tweeted me or messaged me saying, you didn't mention the manager once, you didn't mention his name once. And I think it's because I am so inured, I'm so immune to the idea that he could ever go, <laughs> that <laughs> I almost don't f- consider it. Do you know what I mean? I, yes. I'm so convinced that he will never be dismissed or never resign, that it's almost not a consideration. It's just I, I always think about, well, how how can we get better with Arsene Wenger? Because that's literally all I can envisage. Um, that being said, if he doesn't win the league this year, then he certainly won't ever win the league, I would say. At which point? At which point... Uh I would like to think that we had an owner ambitious enough and who cared enough about winning the league to think that that's not good enough <laughs> now as your, as <laughs> as your reaction demonstrates Sorry. we we don't we don't have that no, we don't no, but if we did, if I was the owner, say f- for example, and guys. What a chairman I would be. Oh, God, I don't want to say it. Do chairman okay. Fluffface. Yes, chairman Fluffface. face. I, I'm sure Pete Hill would have some fluff on his face at some point or other in his time. I, um, Stan crunk has got fluff on his face. He just calls it his moustache. Mm. I uh, think, yeah, he should probably go. He won't. He won't. I can't stress enough that he won't.
1: Yes. No, That that is the thing. I just can't see it happening. And, you know, there, there's this idea that a new man will come in and make everything better. Um, th- that would depend entirely on who that new man is and, of course, who is selecting that new man and under what constraints that new man might have to work. You know, we like to think a new guy will come in and all of a sudden be, hey, we've got £250 million in the bank. Spend it all. Go crazy. Do what you like. Uh, and I also, you know, I just don't think that there's a... Um with this board and with those people on the board... And we've spoken on this podcast and out loud, I'm sure many times before, about the lack of football people on the Arsenal board. Like, who is out of all of them, right? The the best qualified man to make a decision is Ivan Gazidis, mm-hmm. and I don't think that you would necessarily consider Ivan Gazidis a died-in-the-wall football man, whatever that means. You know, it's it's a bit soundbitey, but you know, to have somebody with with a real background in the game. So, for example, Real Madrid have got you know people like Gueno and Zidane and these kind of people um, on their board and on their executive committees because they understand the game, they understand football, they understand the people within the game. I'm not saying Ivan Gazidis is entirely useless in that regard, but I don't see, for example, Josh Kroenke as somebody who's got a strong voice or a strong opinion in that regard. And my fear would be that even if they would consider changing the manager, which they won't, that they would then look for another Arsene Wenger. And because that's what they know. That's the model that they know. That's what they would look for. And I don't think that that kind of a man is available in football anymore.
0: No, I'm not sure that they are. And, and of course they like him. I mean, look at those cash reserves figures. I, I think you, you can make some inferences about the Arsenal board if you look at what's happened at Aston Villa. You know, Randy Lerner took Tom Fox from Arsenal, a guy who's very well placed there, uh, an excellent executive, lovely guy. Spoke to him on a couple of occasions. um, Very charming, very erudite, very intelligent. But the Aston Villa fans are absolutely up in arms because he doesn't know anything about football and he's turned that club into a mess. Mm. And I'm not saying that everyone at Arsenal is exactly the same as Tom Fox, but it gives you some idea of the executive culture that exists at the club and uh, the lack of football culture potentially. Mm. And I, I think, you know, in answer to your original question, I think... I think he probably should go if if he can't win the league this year because I think it will effectively be it will effectively be confirmation that uh, uh, he, he can't do it anymore because they're, they're, as I've said in the previous part we, we have no excuse mm. um, and it's only going to get harder it's yeah. only going to get harder there's no way that next season we're, we're going to get another chance like this surely the London City and United maybe to a lesser extent are going to come back Roaring, and if a team like Spurs to qualify for the Champions League or win the league, they will strengthen. Yeah. Um. As as frightening as that that prospect is, so I would I would definitely say, uh, possibly yes, possibly that is time to to call it a day. What would What would you say?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. But we know that it won't happen.
0: I mean, when you say you hold Arsene Wenger fully responsible for what happened yesterday, in mitigation, is there an extent to which you hold people above him responsible because? Ultimately, does a club not need direction from its owner? Does someone not need to say this is this is who we are, this is our ambition, this is what we exist to do? And does, should that not come ideally from above the manager?
1: I think maybe yeah, there could be some element of that, but when it boils right down to it, I don't think that Arsene Wenger is hugely restricted in any way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there are restrictions on him spending maybe there are I don't know maybe this conspiracy theory about Cronky hoarding cash so he can afford to buy a big ranch is all true I'm not sure I buy that I don't think Arsene Wenger would work as a football manager as somebody who spent all his life in the game and as somebody who whether he can do it or not badly wants to win at all times you just have to look at him to know that I don't think he would work in circumstances where uh, he's being told from above, well, we need to pile up all this cash so I can, you know, use it as leverage on other businesses or moving the uh, the Rams uh, to to Los Angeles. I just don't think that's the case. Now you could make a, you make a good point about how a really determined owner, a really ambitious owner, could put pressure on him to spend the money, mm. and that's where I think we are. I don't think Cronky would ever do that. I don't think Cronky. He hasn't got a clue, right? He doesn't have a sh- like the first clue about football, so he's not gonna not gonna step on the toes of of Arsene Wenger and say you should be spending money, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, because he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. So I think it's quite it suits Kroenke to have Arsene Wenger there. Actually, Ken Early wrote a good piece in in the Irish Times this morning um, about Arsene Wenger, why Arsenal didn't win. I'm gonna just try and get it up here, but I, I think. You know, it's it's not down to Stan Kroenke why
0: we lost yesterday. You know, no, I think that's fair to say. I think okay, that's. Let fair me to just
1: say. let me just um, see if I can find this here. Okay, okay, and there was a great line in it. Um, he talks about how you know Arsene Wenger has always spoken about the financially doped clubs like Chelsea and Manchester City coming in and, and winning the league and how important that is. Um, And then how Leicester have come along and shown that's not to be the case. And he says, the thing that Arsenal have lacked is not financial firepower, it's courage. Um, And he spoke about, um, you know, having to strengthen the squad. He says he doesn't actually have to sign somebody better than Olivier Giroud. He just has to sign somebody better than Alex Iwobi, who is a great, obviously a great prospect, but not somebody you throw on at Old Trafford looking for um, for a goal. So the only reason Arsenal don't have a better center forward option than be is that Wenger would rather rather do nothing than risk making a mistake. And I think there's an element of that to the way that he lo- looks at money and the way that he spends money.
0: I think that's certainly true. Certainly yeah. true. Also, uh, I wonder what Joel Campbell's done.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there I, uh, there must be a a question about Joel Campbell there somewhere or about that decision. Uh, uh let's
0: let's 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 sit, let's sit on that, shall we? I mean, oh hang on. Um, well, I'll, I'll give it to you now. It's from Pete Coe. Okay. Uh, and he says, uh, he asked, noting Ox and Theo's dire where the holy fuck is Joel Campbell? Whereas Andrew House says, what do you think made Arsene choose Iwobi over Campbell to come off the bench?
1: I don't know. I can't understand that. And
0: you like Iwobi a lot.
1: Yeah, I think we all like Iwobi a lot, but he's a kid who's played, this was his 10th appearance. He's looked quite good at times, usually at home in the FA Cup against lower league sides, right? Because mm-hmm. that's part of his development as a footballer. That's where he is in his development as a footballer. Yesterday, we left a guy, and I'm, you know, I'm not a, uh, a huge Joel Campbell fan, but it's hard to argue that he's done well this season. He's been creative, and he has scored some goals. Not a huge amount, but some. Iwobi has never scored in top-flight football, yet yeah. to get off the mark. We badly needed a goal. So do we leave an experienced international player who can at least contribute, who's got a decent delivery with his left foot, who almost scored in the FA Cup last week against Hull? Do we, do we put him on to try and get a goal or throw on Iwobi? And there was, it smacked to me of like, oh, well, well, you've got a young guy who can do something. Look at my young guy who unfortunately couldn't do anything. I don't understand the thinking
0: behind it at all. No, on, a- on purely
1: football terms, I don't get it.
0: That was a baffling one mm. and I, I do think Campbell's been rather unceremoniously dumped down the pecking order. I'm not sure I agree with you. I don't think he's a world beater, but I think if you look at the form of the different players in that area of the pitch, I think he's been better than most mm. um and yet I think well i th- I think we always suspected that Arson maybe didn't have the most faith in him that he wasn't necessarily his man. And uh, I think maybe we're just seeing that come home to Roosh now that other players are available back from injury. Yeah. Um, why are we talking about him? We I were just
1: know. talking about um, you know trying to trying to get a goal, and uh, and the fact that he was a guy that we were having to turn to uh, to I to try the, and get that goal. The
0: courage thing is a really good point, the one yeah. that you mentioned.
1: And uh, <sighs> do you think he's been like once bitten, twice shy with a couple of. With some transfers that that, that haven't who are you thinking worked, thinking
0: of though like Ashavin or Reyes, Achavin,
1: or? not so much Reyes, but even even ones like Santos and 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 Park young mm-hmm. you know, and Inic- Gervinho, you know, guys who just haven't really done it. I mean, does that speak to? The scouting does it speak to the level of ambition that we have when it comes to transfers? Like you couldn't tell me that there wasn't twelve million or fifteen million pounds to spend better than on Gervinho at that time. Could we not have got a better player somewhere for that kind of money? And again, it, you come back to well, actually, money isn't you know when it comes to when it comes to players, is not the be all and end all because Mares went to Leicester for four hundred thousand. It's not what you spend on them; it's what you buy. And what you're capable of buying or what you're capable of identifying as a player worth spending money on.
0: Like- well, the point is, though, Arsenal are in a position where they don't even have to be at the bottom of that food chain anymore. They, they can let a club like Leicester pick up someone like Mares, And if they want to go and get him, and it's going to cost them 30 or 40 million pounds, they can absolutely do it. Mm. They actually, you know, they were in a position where they needed to be the guys identifying these talents. They don't even have to do that anymore. They can cherry pick. But... That involves massive investment and a, and something of a gamble, yeah, because when you lay down that kind of money, there will be pressure associated with it mm. and we know how Arsenal cope with pressure, <laughs> not very, not very well. I mean again, we will come back to listeners' questions again, but the you know i I, I said I thought if he doesn't win the league, he, he probably should go, but he won't. Do you think if he fails to win the league this year, he won't be offered a new deal? Thus, next year will definitely be his last year? Or do you think that even if he doesn't win the league this year, he could still sign a contract extension and stay on at the club?
1: Well, look, you know, if he doesn't win the league, we'd like. it's not like his position will become untenable. I don't think it's quite in the same situation as it would have been with the FA Cup, remember? Mm-hmm.
0: Where if we, remember, gone, well, if we
1: hadn't won the FA Cup in 2014, I think he'd be gone. I really do as do I. But given that he still has a year left of his contract, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that you know he stays and we buy some players in the summer and we do reasonably well and we're competitive enough and and then we have a little bit of a run and then then all of a sudden he becomes the only man that could ever do the job or remains the only man that could ever do the job in the eyes of the board because it's much easier to give Arsene Wenger another contract than it is to actually again show some courage. And try something different. Try something new. And there is an inherent risk in it because when you have a manager who's been in the club for as long as Arsene Wenger has and he's entrenched in every single corner of that football club, stadium, the training ground, the, the, the philosophy, the football philosophy of the club, you know, he has a huge impact. Mm. And when he goes, you're not talking about just one guy going... It's not like somebody getting off a bus, a bus driver getting off, and then the next bus driver comes on and just chugs along the same route. It's a lot more complicated than that, and I think there are implications to making a change in manager when the manager is one of those legacy managers that's been there that long, as we can see with Manchester United. And and you know what? The parallels are quite frightening because what they've got is a board... Actually, they've got a board uh, that had Ferguson on it, and they've got Bobby Charlton on it. They've got football people on that board. They've got a chief executive who's a moron, this Woodward guy who hasn't got a fucking clue about anything other than to keep the Glazers happy, right? So yeah. that's, that's sort of, even with those fail of having the football people on the board that United have, you know, the transition from the Ferguson years to whatever their next era is has been terrible. It's the been really era. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the absolute, the era of complete bollocks. You yeah. know, with Van Halen, with Moyes, it's been terrible. So it's a, in some ways, it's a frightening prospect. As much as we would like to see change, uh, you know, and, and maybe a new manager come in if Harrison Wenger doesn't win the league. But it's terrifying to think what might happen without his influence at that club. Because he does not just the job of a manager, but he does he, it. He feels a, a little bit like the glue that holds everything together in some ways. That, you know, we can have an owner like Kroenke who's, you know, doesn't care one way or the other because this is an investment vehicle and that's all it is. We can manage that because we have somebody like Wenger for all his faults who can hold all that together. But if we don't have a manager who's got that strength and that influence and that power, whether that power is always a good thing, what the fuck happens?
0: Well... I don't know, I mean there was a story this week that Manchester United are looking to do a big restructure where they're going to bring in a director of football you know, you wonder if if Arsenal was to go, would you have to undertake a similar process at Arsenal, create you know, create a kind of hierarchy Mm -hmm. that enabled those different roles to be filled because you're right, at the moment he's so autonomous, he he does everything really Um, and I don't think one man will be able to come in and and do that and also I don't think it's necessarily healthy for one man to come in and do that No would you like another question? Sure, why not? It's, it's no cheer, yeah? Okay. i warn you. It's from Andrew Walling at A. Walling, and he says, do you worry about players of the quality of Erzl and Sanchez starting to question the club's ambition? Yes and no. Okay, elaborate. Um, well,
1: yes, because they're, they're top quality players and they want to win things and they realise that they've got a short career and a career is finite and... In order to win things, you need to be playing at a club that's that's really genuinely competitive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, because they're very well paid, they're at a very good club, they're living in London, they've got a nice life. You know, there are other things that tick boxes that, that footballers want. And as well, footballers have to take some responsibility themselves for the way that a team performs Now, I think you could leave Mesut Ozil to one side a little bit, given his contribution this season and given where we would be, I think, if we had a clinical finisher in this side with the chances that he creates, we wouldn't be talking about being in touch with Leicester. We'd be going back to that scenario that you spoke about earlier of being way ahead. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, the others, though, I don't think anyone can really look at themselves and say, well, if this club isn't fulfilling my ambitions, it's... It's uh it's not because of me. You know other players haven't really performed. So yeah, they they have yeah. to take some measure of responsibility for that, no?
0: I yeah, I guess. I guess I do slightly I but what? I do worry. I worry a little bit about
1: Ozil because I think he's he's clinical minded enough to say okay, I don't think it's going to happen. Let's go somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I think especially with the way he was not forced, but the way he the way he came out of Real Madrid, you know, he was slightly edged out by Gareth Bale. I think if a club, you know, of that Bayern-Barcelona stature came in and he saw an opportunity to go and genuinely contest for the Champions League, which I don't think anyone could make an argument that we are trying to do or, or, or close to doing. No. Um, then I could understand him being very tempted by that possibility. Mm. Um why not? Ultimately, he's he's a talent that should be operating at that sort of level, and although we have the resource, we're we're you know a long way from that, mm. a long long way.
1: All right. Here's a question from uh, uh, Gunnar Punner, uh, Gunnar Punner, and he wants to know very simply: Is anyone in our squad irreplaceable? <laughs>
0: um.
1: okay bearing in mind yeah bearing in mind that we want to build a squad that's going to win the title and wants to compete in the champions league ha 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 ha
0: ha uh the one that jumps out well there's two actually who jump out to me one is ozil because i do think He's a special talent, and finding a number 10 who produces chances at that kind of rate mm-hmm. would be extremely difficult. The other one's Petr Cech. Mm. Um, there are other great goalkeepers out there. I'm not sure you can buy them, mm. basically. Uh, so those are the two who I would say... I, ha- true- I,
1: had, I had five names written down. Go on. Who, who else did you have? I have Alexis. Because yeah. even though he's playing really poorly, I think you need players of, of his quality. And we have to accept that sometimes players find themselves in periods of, of bad form. Mm-hmm. So I have Alexis. I don't think if you if you want to be an ambitious club, you can do without Alexis. You can add to the squad, but you've got to keep someone like Alexis. I totally agree with you in check. Totally agree with you on Ozil. Um, I, I had Bellerin down as well. Yeah, he was in my mind. Um, And I have Monreal as well. I've sort of given them a half each in a way, um, simply because they have been two of our most consistent players this season. Bellerin is obviously young, loads of potential, could really really uh, kick on in the years to come uh, before he moves back to Barcelona, blah, blah. Um, and, And Monreal, just simply because we don't have enough players like him in the team who give you that level of consistency. You know, a guy who verges between seven out of 10 every week and nine out of 10 every week. You know, he's a really, really solid, consistent player. And I think those are the kind of players that you need to... To give you a platform to go and win things. And then you have the other guys who might be a little more mercurial, but who when they click make the difference in the games. Okay, yeah. So that's those are the, the players that I was thinking. The rest
0: you, you technically
1: <laughs> You know, yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. That there are there are good players. I'm not saying that there aren't good players. But if you look at the first eleven You'd be hard pressed to say that we couldn't improve. Koscielny, maybe, maybe, but again, maybe. a centre a half that's hitting a, that's hitting thirty years of age. You
0: I know? mean, this is a, sort of the inverse question. Matt Kidd at Matt Kid says, if a new manager came in tomorrow, who would be culled?
1: Mm. That would depend on the manager and what his style of football was,
0: wouldn't I it? I guess so. But there's a few. There's a few names that spring tomorrow I mean <laughs> so many questions today about you know Theo Walcott Theo Walcott yeah yeah Thea yeah Walker. actually
1: yeah, I've got a couple here hang on let me just get them here bum bump, bump. GK Arteta Assist says should we sell Theo Walcott in the summer yeah bum where's the other one uh, Steve Miller at Meevan Stiller, are we stuck with Walcott on that salary now? Is the next 10 years like this predict the future, please? Uh, and loads of, loads of questions about Theo Walcott. Like, who would be expendable? I mean, you look at... Like, how do you genuinely improve? You add top-class players in key positions, right? Uh-huh. But you also need to improve the level of the, the squad players. Mhm. So I think a new manager if he came in would look across the board and and say that yeah there's, a, there's pretty much anybody um is up for grabs that if he wanted to bring in a top top drawer defensive midfield player thanks Coquelin, it's great I l- I like you but let's um let's have this other guy and you can compete with him.
0: Yeah, and then people just get shunted down the pecking order yeah. in turn. And if if the man at the bottom of the chain, be that, you know, Matthew Flammerley, whoever gets bumped off the end of the line, then so be it. But it, that raises the overall quality of the squad. Um, mm. I mean, I was just thinking of Theo Walcott. I guess our only chance of selling him is if Chelsea or Manchester City need to make those those homegrown quotas. I guess that's the only thing mm. that could make him a, a viable asset.
1: yeah. But, I mean, who, in all seriousness, if you're a team like Chelsea or you're a team like Manchester City and you want to you build a squad that, that, uh, that can compete for titles because uh, that's what their owners are about, you know, Abramovich, uh, for all that you might say about him, um, has been ambitious and ruthless. Like he sacked a guy who won the Champions League because no. he wanted better. That's pretty fucking ruthless. Manchester yep. City uh, have this grand plan, this investment, that uh, the only reason for it is is to generate football success. And that's the only reason for it. So if you're one of those clubs, do you buy a guy who is perennially, perennially, perennially underachieved in practically every season that he's had at Arsenal? One season he's got into double figures. Like who buys him? The only team that buys him is a team that's, you know, mid-table and trying to make a step up towards top four. And even that's a push. Because he's not the kind of player that drags you through games. He's a fair-weather footballer in that if things go exactly right, like if his porridge is not too hot and not too cold, (laughs) then Theo Walcott is there. The Goldilocks footballer. Yeah, but otherwise... You know, where's his where's his character? Where's his strength of character? There isn't any. There is none. So I would I would certainly if possible sell him in the summer and bring in somebody much better. The issue is going to be who the fuck is going to buy him.
0: I mean, start looking guys, find a buyer. Yeah. Any more questions? I mean, I, I, I don't know how much more I've got left in the tank. This is getting me down.
1: I know it is. It's all a bit minging, isn't it? In fairness. Uh, here, Fred Thurbin, he wants to know, so what's the best way of getting over games like that? A brisk walk? A comedy film? Alcohol? Going fetal and crying? Well, What's your recommendation, James?
0: of the above. I think, um, oh, God. I watched a film last
1: night after that. I switched off film? completely. It's called Bone Tomahawk, Okay. starring Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson. It's about this man whose wife is kidnapped by uh, Indians um, out in the Wild West back in the day, obviously. And uh, they have to go and rescue her. And there's some quite gruesome bits in this film. The guy gets actually (laughs) chopped in half. Oh, wow. They kind of hold him with his legs up in the air like a big Y. And then they they sort of use a tomahawk to split him right down the middle in two. Crikey. Which uh, did take my mind off the football.
0: It will do. Mm. It will do. So that's, that's one option. Yeah, good comedy um, like that. I went out for dinner and had some drinks and some dinner. What did you have for dinner? I had Mexican food. Right. Yeah. Uh, and a few beers. It was, it was all right. Yeah? It was all right. I mean, then I came home and... Got tonsillitis. To, exactly. So what can you do? I don't know, really. I mean, time's a great healer. I know that's a cliche, but... <laughs> that's all I can really say. Time hopefully will heal us all.
1: And the next game of football, which of course yes. is on Wednesday.
0: Okay, let's, let's do this. Let's do this.
1: Pick a team for Swansea. Pick a team.
0: Okay check yes um i think i'd probably go back to murtsacker and kashawni yes with now is there an obligation to rest any players given that it's the derby at the weekend and they played sunday as well
1: you're thinking he might go chambers instead of bellerin
0: no no i'm not that mad but i might I might, i might uh, play kieran gibbs maybe right um and give Monreal a rest Um, midfield oh it's a mess isn't it (laughs) (laughs) I think I would go see on on performance I'd like to keep Danny Welbeck in the team but I just wonder if that would be quite a lot of football for someone who's just been out for so long Mm. Um, so maybe I would go from the front I'd probably start Olivier Giroud I'd probably have Alexis on the left, yeah. I'd probably have Campbell yes, on the right.
1: I think I would too.
0: Urzel um, at number ten,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then I guess Ramsey and uh, Ramsey and Coquelin. Although part of me wonders if I might rest Aaron Ramsey and put uh, Mohamed Elneny in for a game. Yeah, um, i i
1: I think I I think I could get behind the Elneny selection. You know, we bought him. We obviously saw something in him as a player. Midfield isn't functioning. Let's give him a go. Worst thing that happens is you, you know, it doesn't really work. It couldn't like work any less than what happened yesterday at Old Trafford. So you take him off and put on Ramsey or Coquelin or whoever it is that you've taken off.
0: Mm. Yeah. What uh, would you make any alterations to that?
1: Not really. I think you're right with Giroud. I'd be tempted to start Welbeck, but I, uh, I didn't really consider the the uh, the fitness issue. But then if he's been out for 10 months, maybe this is uh maybe this is the time to play maybe you could start well back up front
0: but maybe you,
1: yeah or well back on the right. Him
0: on, on, on one of the flanks yeah mm. I mean I, I saw you wrote in your, in your blog about maybe switching Alexis to the right for a bit just to see if it changes things for him a little yeah maybe um that could be worth a go
1: yeah yeah because it's not happening for him on the left that's for sure. No, certainly not. Mm. So uh okay, so that's what we that's what we've come to. A brisk walk, uh watching somebody get cut into with a tomahawk, some beers, some food. Picking your team for the
0: next game. And picking
1: your team for the next game and hoping that we actually turn up and win it. Yeah. And uh who else is playing on we- is it West Ham and Tottenham?
0: Let's have a look. Uh I think it could be. So Tuesday, Leicester hosts West Brom. Um, fresh off the back of think. a good
1: win against Crystal Palace West Brom yeah, yeah.
0: although yep. Leicester at home I don't know mm. and then Wednesday yes you're absolutely right West Ham host Tottenham and Liverpool host Man City mm. so again all oh, wow.
1: yeah that's interesting isn't it
0: somewhat favourable fixtures for Arsenal in terms of you'd think West Ham and Liverpool were difficult places for those sides to go and win yeah yeah um and as you say, West Brom got a good result. <laughs> weekend. Did you see
1: Did you see the West Ham goal on Saturday? Oh, yeah. Did you see the celebration? Yes, bizarre. And he said, I saw Homer do it on The Simpsons and I thought it was funny, so he just did it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's uh, the, certainly my football highlight from the weekend, anyway.
0: Yeah, not hard this weekend. Um, so, yeah, who knows? So, let's, you know, let's... I can't believe I'm even doing this, but if Tottenham were to lose at, Manchester, at uh, uh, West Ham, a win over Swansea would put us back level with them ahead of the derby. Mm. Um, and we would only need to win by 11 goals, I believe, to go above <laughs> one goal difference. So.
1: <laughs> I, I, yes, yeah, certainly that's, uh, that's going to be the case. Of course, playing uh, Lukasz Fabianski, he'll be in goal for Swansea, having the match of his life...
0: I'm sure he actually had a very good game against Tottenham but I was ultimately undone because they they do this thing where they create chances and stuff it's a real it's a real pain <laughs> Tottenham Yeah yeah they create things. them and take them I, I, it's, it's it's so alien to me, it's, it's me almost like cheating Yeah all right Um we've got to win really haven't we before the weekend we've got to try yeah. and steady the ship
1: Yeah 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 yep yeah. We have to. So we'll um, we'll discuss that game on the Arscast on Friday and we can look back on a North London derby next Monday, James, on the Arscast oh. Extra.
0: I'll be on a stag do during the North London derby, but I will be watching, don't worry. Right. So at least I'll be able to drown my sorrows uh, should it all go wrong. Yes. Or celebrate, should it go right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> had to leave that hanging i don't know what to say mm. i can't even find it within me to be you know vaguely optimistic about that one but look maybe wednesday night will set us back on the right track we'll uh, i'm sure i'm sure we'll, we'll keep fingers crossed anyway i suppose for this podcast, uh, as much as any other, we should thank the people for listening. If you've been with us throughout this uh, hour and a bit, thank you very much indeed. I hope that we have provided some kind of catharsis or some kind of uh, relief. Noise.
0: Definitely we've provided noise. We definitely
1: provided noise in people's ears. And, uh, well, look, I hope, I hope people feel, well, I don't think anyone's going to feel any better about stuff after this. But no. I, hope, I hope they feel that we're all in this together as fans. We're all Certainly feeling the that. same pain.
0: Suffering together.
1: Indeed. All right. We'll catch you on the next one. Until then, take it easy. Have a good week. Bye-bye.